Uh, thank you, everyone, and good morning. Uh, I want to acknowledge, of course, we're on the traditional territory of the Lekwungen-speaking people, the uh, Songhees and Esquimalt First Nations. And I'm here today to talk about... Uh, hi, Bobby. <laughs> I'm here today uh, to talk about uh, an exciting opportunity, uh, one, however, though, that is potentially fraught with risk, and that is uh, a final investment decision uh, with respect to the LNG Canada proposal for a uh, LNG facility in the northern city of Kitimat. The final investment decision, of course, is entirely up to the joint venture partners, Shell Canada, PetroChina, CoGas, and Mitsubishi. At the end of the day, it could well be a $40 billion project, which would include a $7.8 billion terminal in Kitimat. The primary permits are in place for this project and have been for some time. Sixteen First Nations, from the wellhead to the waterline, are supportive, particularly the Heisla Nation in the city of Kitimat or in the district of Kitimat as well as many northern communities and the district of Kitimat. Market conditions have changed since the first discussions of LNG began in British Columbia, and they've changed significantly. The LNG uh, Canada proposal for a final investment decision is coming on fast, and they asked the new government to demonstrate and outline what our fiscal and climate framework would be to realize this significant investment opportunity. But industrial activity and reconciliation with Indigenous peoples are difficult issues. Meeting our climate change objectives are primary and fundamental to the new government's approach. So rather than skirt those issues, as the previous government did, rather than ignore those issues of reconciliation and climate action, we want to marry industrial activity with those two key government objectives. And my approach on this has been clear. During the election campaign, I laid out four primary conditions for the development of LNG in British Columbia. Firstly, that there would be jobs for British Columbians, that there would be a fair return over the life of the project to the people of British Columbia, that First Nations would be full partners and, uh, and absolutely integral to the development of the project, and lastly, that we met our climate change objectives and we protected our air, water, and land. It's my opinion that LNG Canada has been working diligently to meet these objectives, and they came to us last uh, fall, actually it was closer to winter, I would say, and asked us what would the new government do with the framework that existed from the previous government, one that we opposed in many measures, and what would we be proposing, not just to LNG Canada, but to the industry broadly. So I asked um, Finance Minister Carol James and Environment Minister George Heyman to work together with uh, representatives from LNG Canada to make sure we put in place guidelines and rules for the development of this type of activity. Again, always focused on making sure that there were benefits to the public interest and that we were protecting those key critical components of our government, genuine reconciliation with Indigenous peoples, and meeting our climate change objectives. Minister Heyman's been working, of course, by implementing a leadership team from the private sector and academia to work with us to develop targets uh, that will be uh, firm targets for 2030 of a 40% reduction in GHG emissions from 2007 levels, he says, nodding to the Deputy Minister. And also, we wanted to make sure that we were receiving uh, an appropriate amount of revenue for our natural resource if it was going to be uh, developed and, and sent to other jurisdictions. So I asked... Uh, uh, Deputy Minister Dave Nicolishan, as well as representatives from finance, who I believe heard from this morning, to make sure that when we put in place a framework, it made sense and it was transparent. And it wasn't just for one group of people, and it wasn't just if you came, it would be only if a final investment was realized and a commitment was made from those who wanted to participate in our economy that they would proceed 
in the interests of indigenous people, the people of British Columbia, our climate objectives, and the return to British Columbians would be significant. Now, I believe we're very close to realizing that objective, but I wanted it to be abundantly clear to British Columbians that this is a different approach from the previous government. I can well imagine uh, an announcement like this would have been made with much fanfare, maybe a balloon drop at some appropriate time, but instead I believe it's important that British Columbians understand that these are very challenging issues. Potential opportunity is extraordinary, potential risks are significant. I believe LNG Canada is working diligently to address those risks, and I believe it's the responsibility of the government to make sure we're working to develop those opportunities for all British Columbians. In, in, in brief, I want to say that this new approach is one that I believe British Columbians want to see from their government. If we can realize industrial development, spectacular. If we can do that within a framework that protects our environment and meets our climate objectives, brilliant. If we can ensure that genuine reconciliation can happen with Indigenous peoples, I believe we've not just checked all the boxes, but we've developed a framework that will mean something to British Columbia now and into the future. I'm very proud of the work that the Public Service has done, uh, Finance, Environment, and, uh, and uh, the Ministry of Energy, to make this happen. And uh, I was going to just highlight that point, Lisa, way to go. Uh, but, uh, but again, there's still a great deal of work to do. The business community, broadly speaking, has been supportive of LNG development, but they need to know, and we've been reaching out and discussing this with stakeholders, that if we increase our greenhouse gas emissions oh in the oil and gas sector, that means more aggressive reductions in other sectors of our economy. We've, on balance, received a positive response to that. I want to say a word also about uh, Andrew Weaver. As we all know, Andrew is very passionate about combating climate change. It's his reason for being in this legislature, and he makes no apologies for that, nor should he. On this question of the three key elements that we've put in our fiscal framework, Mr. Weaver does not agree with all of them, and that's just fine. What he has done is he's agreed to work with us and other sectors of the economy to make sure that our climate action plan is robust, realistic, and can meet the challenges we all face uh, to meet those objectives over time. Mr. Weaver will certainly have more to say about that, but in the interest of proceeding with a climate action plan, we're going to continue to work with him and other members of the legislature to ensure that we can realize those objectives that we all must realize if we're going to be successful in these endeavors. I wish the best to LNG Canada. When I traveled to Asia in the uh, winter, I met with the uh, joint venture partners individually, and I expressed to them directly and without any hesitation that British Columbia would welcome their investment, a significant investment. Some have said the largest since uh, uh, the post-war period. But in order for that to happen, we need to realize the objectives that I've made clear during the election campaign and I'm uh, reinforcing again today. Where are the benefits for British Columbians? Are jobs being created? Are we meeting our climate objectives? And can we realize true and genuine reconciliation? I believe we are on the path to doing that. It will be very positive for Northern British Columbia. It will be net benefit to the provinces of Treasury over the period of time that the project will exist. And with that, I'll ask... Uh, Stephanie, to open up for questions. Uh, Keith, first, please. So we're all getting emails from your buddy Shane Mills unearthing a whole bunch of quotes from you and George Heyman and David Eby in the past that denounce exactly what you've announced today in terms of tax breaks. How do you how do you reconcile that? Uh, well, I, I certainly know that Mr. Mr. Mills is uh, expert at uh, what he does. Uh, what I believe is different from uh, the 
approach of the previous government and the approach that we're taking is that if there is a benefit to British Columbians, we want to make sure that it's transparent and obvious to everyone. And we are not going to sign a blank check for LNG Canada or any other proponent that may come forward to, to utilize this framework that is not exclusive to them but is uh, open to any uh, proponent who wants to come forward. We're going to make sure that the benefits are obvious and they only are realized should there be a final investment decision. The previous Liberal government brought forward a whole host of legislation that locked the province in without ever having a final investment decision take place. Now, Andrew Weaver, just to follow up, Stephanie, uh, Andrew Weaver has said he'd been, on Twitter anyways, bring your government down if you were to even come close to bringing LNG into the province. Do you have assurances from him that he's not going to do that? Uh, Mr. Weaver and I have talked about this at length, uh, and certainly Andrew will be available and he'll talk to you directly. Uh, we are committed to making this government work. We're committed to, most importantly in his case, to realizing a genuine climate action plan that will realize the objectives that he set out to uh, when he joined the uh, politics or entered public life in 2013. But this is about putting in place a framework for a final investment decision. This is no guarantee that there will be uh, a $40 billion investment in northern British Columbia. So we are going to continue on uh, talking to other uh, elements of the economy, those energy-intensive trade-exposed industries, and make sure that they're reducing their emissions. We would do that anyway, and, and Mr. Weaver certainly supports that. But we put in place uh, in this past budget a framework so that those energy-intensive energy industries that are exposed to competitive disadvantage because of how aggressive we have been on climate change and other jurisdictions have been laggardly, that they will, able to be, they will continue to be able to participate in the economy. But uh, I don't believe at all for a minute that this is going to be easy. This is going to be very, very difficult, but we're committed to making sure it works. We're going to go Mary, then Rob, then over to Les. Hey, um, I'm just wondering if the rebates that were outlined in the technical briefing, are those going to be interpreted as tax rates by the public? Well, they're transparent and they're available to anyone who wants to make an investment. When it comes to the PST rebate, that is an operational question for the proponents, uh, those who want to come here. They would prefer to pay that over the lifetime of their project when they have a stream of revenue to pay that. So there's no loss to the Treasury. It's just not a one-time payment when the construction is taking place. It would, it would be over the lifetime of the project, or I'm looking at uh, Doug to nod his head at a 20-year horizon. So uh, there's no loss to the Crown in any way. And again, it wouldn't be characterized as a subsidy because the tax would be paid. It just wouldn't be paid at the time of purchase. If you go to the go to the hardware store and you buy a, a, a couple of two-by-fours to take home. There's PST on that. Uh, in this case, the, the company in question, whether it be LNG Canada or someone else, would purchase those two-by-fours and pay the PST once they'd constructed whatever they were going to construct and they had a stream of revenue to pay it. So it gives them a competitive era. Uh, it gives them a, a, an advantage in the immediate term while market conditions continue to rebound. We're going to go Rob, less than Sandy. So, uh, Premier, I just uh, I seem to remember hours and hours of debate in the legislature on LNG where the opposition under you criticized the Liberals for giving away the farm to large multinational <coughs> foreign companies. That they weren't, the Liberals weren't getting a good deal on LNG investment. You were getting a less good deal by providing more tax breaks. I, I, I just can't. Can you square that circle for me? How is giving away more money better than what you criticized. Well, we're, we're, not give, we're not giving away more money. We're, we're allowing, for example, the industrial rate for electricity. If uh, any industry wants to come to British Columbia, they pay the tariff for the industrial rate. Uh, the BC Liberals constructed an LNG rate that was different from that. 
I believe that's burdensome for BC Hydro, also for the Utilities Commission, should there be any, uh, and certainly under our government, we want to make sure we're utilizing the Utilities Commission. So that element is one of transparency. And it's the same for any business who wants to come to British Columbia. The notion that, uh, did we oppose uh, the BC Liberal approach to this? Absolutely. They put in legislation commitments without ever having a final investment decision. The difference between them and us today is that after five years of talking about one, two, three, five LNG facilities, there are zero. I'm standing before you today and speaking directly to the people of British Columbia saying there may well be a final investment decision on an LNG facility in northern British Columbia, and should that happen, we will put in place a framework that will allow them to be competitive. I think there's a huge difference between those two points. They got zero. We may get one. I believe there will be a benefit to British Columbians. We've talked about, I'm sure, uh, uh, Deputy Minister Wright spoke about 10,000 jobs. He talked about uh, revenue from corporate income tax, which, again, is not exclusive to LNG, which is the proposal of the former government, but would be revenues that will come to the Treasury over time. And none of that happened under the B.C. Liberal Watch. Not one plant was built. One may be built now. I'm, I'm trying to understand that. The, the difference is that this is contingent on an FID. Correct. Was the Liberal, I mean, the Liberals had at one point a, a conditional FID from Petronas. I, I, I don't that know. Was, that, that, well, it, it was, I wouldn't characterize it as, there's no such thing as a conditional FID. Board, boards make decisions to go or not to go, and Petronas never made a decision to go. tax moves would have come into effect unless there was an They're FID. They're still on the books. In fact, we, uh, we will, uh, should we proceed uh, in the fall or should... Uh, LNG Canada proceed in the fall, we'll be repealing that legislation and, and we'll be putting in place the framework that we've talked about today. Premier, the briefing we got earlier said BC essentially recognizes carbon leakage, the idea that we could sell to Asia, help them convert off dirty fuel to natural gas and everybody wins more or less. And that that's the theory that Weaver just has nothing but contempt for. He's expressed it repeatedly. I'm just wondering, do you particularly care what uh, the Greens think about this? Would you, um, if, if the minority sort of eventually erodes after this, does that bother you too much, or are you ready to go? <laughs> ready to go where? <laughs> Government housing. No, not at all. Uh, look, uh, we have a, a competence and supply agreement in place with the third party, and we're working through that. Uh, Mr. Weaver and I disagree on, on, on uh, the energy-intensive trade-exposed industry component of this, and he'll be able, more than able to talk to you about this. Uh, and, I, and again, I don't want to uh, deny his passion and commitment and expertise in this area, but we need that expertise as we develop our climate action plan. Uh, when it comes to uh, the notion of displacing uh, more noxious uh, energy sources in other jurisdictions because of uh, LNG, I, uh, in my trip to Asia, uh, I was struck by, first of all, the magnitude and scale of energy consumption. Uh, I, I mean, I, I know something about these, these issues, and when you read it on a spreadsheet or you look at it in a document, it's one thing. But I was in Guangzhou uh, on one side of the Pearl River, and I could not see the other side. Uh, the air quality was so bad. So there is a net benefit to those communities to improve their air quality, to improve their GHG profile, but we get no credit for that. And Mr. Weaver is absolutely right, and I agree with him. We have an obligation as a subnational government and as part of the Canadian fabric to meet our national objectives. And when our emissions go up in British Columbia, that does, we get no benefit if they go down somewhere else. So Mr. Weaver is correct, and I, I, I support him in that. Having said that, the human response 
when you're standing on the bank of a river and you can't see the other side and it's a sunny day, that's, that, that has a profound personal impact on you. And I met with the uh, National Energy Administrator in China, and he talked about scales that are just unimaginable for a jurisdiction of 4.5 million people that has uh, such a, a strong and rich uh, tr- tradition of uh, hy- uh, hydroelectric power. To think that we can displace coal is a good thing for the world, but it does not help us with our targets. And, and Mr. Weaver is correct, and I support that. Does that get you where you want to get to? Yes, sir. I'm not going to government house, although I had a lovely uh, evening with uh, Governor General Payette the other day. Sandy, well, and then come Richard. Up. Sandy, Richard, and then Carol. Mr. Morgan, maybe you could just clarify for me. I thought we'd missed the boat on LNG, that this was an industry that uh, was going nowhere because it flooded the world already. And if that's not the case, when could we see this come online? Well, um, I, I said uh, in 2014 and 2015 that market conditions were not uh, there for development of LNG in British Columbia. I remember being on uh, Vaughn's program in 2007 talking about a tremendous opportunity for natural gas in BC, but that opportunity had passed. But market conditions are now coming around. It's not, uh, Shell, Shell is a large company. Their partners are extremely large companies, Mitsubishi, uh, PetroChina, and they will make a final investment decision if they believe that the market conditions are correct. Uh, it's not for us to set those market conditions. It's for us to put in place a framework for our climate change objectives, that remind them repeatedly of our commitment to reconciliation with Indigenous peoples, and make sure that we get a fair return for that resource. We've done that. Uh, we've laid out uh, a fiscal framework that we believe works for the industry and will also provide significant benefits to British Columbians, should the market conditions be correct. But that's not for us to say. That's for them to decide. Is there a deadline on these projects? Not at all. Again, that's another one of the challenges uh, when it comes to industrial activity. I believe it's the responsibility of the new government to welcome those who want to come to British Columbia, whether it's to start a family or whether it's to invest in uh, an old industry or a new industry. And I believe what we're doing today is uh, the the business of government. And we've made our position quite clear. We've laid out the framework that we believe will work, and uh, it's up to the industry to make their choices. And we'll go to Richard and then Carol for last question. So you're talking about just one project. Is that it for this industry? Uh, well, and that will be a challenge. Uh, again, uh, Shell Canada and, and their international uh, company have made great efforts to decarbonize their uh, profile across the world, and it's a significant profile. We need to be driving down emissions in every sector if we're going to realize our goals. And it's not just British Columbia, it's Canada and, in fact, the world, uh, save and accept the current administration in the United States, that have made that a, an international commitment. So we will be able to absorb uh, this project, we believe, with significant aggressive effort on transit in the Lower Mainland, which we're well underway on. If we can reduce our transportation emission profile, that gives more space for industrial activity. But other industries have to be responsive as well. And, and you know, the, the BC Business Council, among others, have said for, for several months now that they believe that LNG is a great opportunity for British Columbia. 
I'm inclined to agree with that, but the consequence for existing industry is they're going to have to tighten their GHG belts as well. So we're all in this together. This is not going to be easy, but again, separating us, in the, with deference to Mr. Mills, separating us from the Liberals is we want to talk about this in an open and transparent way, and we're not going to just say we're going to drive ahead for the industrial jobs at the expense of reconciliation, at the expense of our GHG profile. I think we can do it all if we work hard together, and that's what we intend to do. Yesterday, I don't want to get you too far off track, but you mentioned yesterday when someone asked you about gas prices that uh, you'd be monitoring closely. Today, they broke records in Metro Vancouver in terms of gas prices. Can you explain to me what your government plans on doing to try to soften the blow of those increases to people? Well, certainly it's, uh, it's a challenge for commuters in the Lower Mainland particularly. This is a seasonal issue, I'm advised, uh, and that it's a, it's a supply question uh, that, that we have... Uh, reduced refining capacity. I would certainly love to see the federal government take some leadership in this regard and say that if we do have uh, an opportunity for uh, our fossil fuel industry in Alberta, it would be to ensure that we're providing low-cost, uh, clean energy for people in Canada. And uh, the Kinder Morgan proposal, uh, as it currently is constructed, will not bring down, regardless of what someone might say to get in the newspaper, will not bring down gas prices. It will send uh, diluted bitumen to another jurisdiction. If we spent a fraction of the time talking about getting new refining capacity in Canada that we've done in trying to get a pipeline built to service other jurisdictions, we'd be a lot further ahead and prices would be lower. Okay, last question, Carol. Premier, um, under the previous government, we saw the introduction of incentive programs that offered to help pay compliance fees to the LNG industry for things like the carbon tax. Under this new framework, uh, will these companies be expected to pay the full fees, um, uh, the same as other emitters? Well, I, I think that uh, D um, Deputy Minister Wright touched upon some of this. I, I didn't hear the briefing, so I'll, I'll try and get the answer the best I can, but certainly I can provide uh, access to the decision makers to give you more clarity if I don't hit it on the, on the mark. But uh, energy-intensive trade-exposed industries already have, through uh, Budget 2018, an opportunity to uh, reduce their emission profile and therefore potentially reduce their carbon price uh, costs. But that's not to, ex uh, to absolve them of responsibility. It's to help them transition as carbon pricing goes up and their industry transforms. When it comes to reducing emissions upstream in our uh, gas fields, uh, we're going to be aggressively promoting electrification, not at the expense of uh, the taxpayer, but at the expense of the industry. Again, if we're going to see an increase in emissions because of an export facility in Kitimat, we need to make sure that we're reducing emissions upstream. Electrification will help with that. Radical electrification of our economy is critically important, and we, the, the good news in that regard is we have an abundance of clean hydroelectric power that we can use to displace more noxious uh, uh, substances, but there's no intention to give anyone a free pass in this. It's an opportunity for them to reduce their emissions over time. And Thanks. I'm sure anyone else here will help you with that, either of those two. Thank you, everyone. And yes, there Thanks, are everybody. people here who can ask those questions. If you have further questions, you can give Mary Ella a call, and she'll direct you in the right to the right person.